up front this morning, I want to just express how grateful I am for the people who have assisted with the COVID clinics that we've been hosting here with Coleman Pharmacy uh, these past four weeks. We've had personnel from Coleman, dozens of nursing students uh, from UAFS, and our own little COVID crew here uh, that have for three hours a week on Friday mornings for the last month, facilitated approximately 2,400 vaccination doses. Yeah. If you average that out, it's about 200 an hour. And that's just unreal. Uh, So you are making a difference. We are, yeah. Uh, Getting back to normal is, it's on the horizon for us. Yeah. And you're helping us get there. I'm not sure how much longer these clinics are going to go on at this point, but I do know that we'll have at least one more this Friday and that there will be at least one week off the Friday after. They may continue after that, they may not. It just kind of depends on how things are going at that point. But again, I just want to thank all of you, clearly. Uh, And I was thinking about how appropriate this has been for this Easter season that we're in. You know, we're now in, it is still Easter. Right? It's the season called Easter Tide. Easter is a week of Sundays, seven Sundays. And we're now in the third of those seven. And it's a time to reflect on the possibilities that this new day brings for us, this Easter sunrise. Our efforts during Lent and even now are making a difference. It's making this new day possible for our community. We're not there yet, but we're close. Right? You can feel it. There's something bubbling just beneath the surface. Hope. Yeah. In our reading this morning, we saw two scenes. One with the women heading out to the tomb, and one with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, one of whom was named Clopas. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them going out to Jesus' tomb to take the spices and the perfumes they had prepared for anointing Jesus' body, right? This may seem like an odd practice, uh, but if you've ever had a rodent or a critter die in your, in your subfloor or your attic, crawl space or your attic, right, you are, you are well aware that dead bodies decompose and decomposing things don't smell so good, Yeah? Back in John 11, when Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the grave, you may remember Martha objecting to the stone being rolled away, right? By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days, right? Or in the King James, by this time, he stinketh, right? (laughs) It It literally says that. It's fantastic. This practice of bringing spices and perfumes, it was a way of honoring the dead by covering this odor, right? Uh, So following through with this practice, though, it tells us something really crucial about their hopes and expectations, doesn't it? They knew they loved Jesus. They knew of the impact he had on them. But that was over. Jesus was gone. Think about it. 
bringing in these spices and perfumes, it tells us these women, nor any of the other disciples, had any hope or expectation of Jesus actually coming back. Right? The disciples in these days following the crucifixion are distraught. Their hopes are crushed and darkness covers everything. He's gone. It's over. He had told them what he had to do, somewhat cryptically in their defense, but they either didn't understand or they didn't believe it. Probably the former, because it was often cryptic. Uh, but, but again, when the angel appears and tells them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you that the Son of Man, there's that title again, must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then, Luke says in verse 8, they remembered his words, and they took off to report what they saw to the eleven. That's the twelve minus Judas Iscariot, right? So, they carried this story forward. They carried the story forward. In verse 11, but these words seemed to the eleven an idle tale, and they did not believe them. They were dismissed, right? But the women, they had experienced something, and they believed. Now, right here, I want to stop a moment and reflect on something. I want you to see how quickly these women were dismissed. Idle tales, gossip, delusions, just let it go, Mary. He's gone. It's over. But these women, in what might be one of their darkest and most solemn moments, they believed. In their dark hour, they carried that candle of hope from the darkness of that cave and into the darkness of the cloud that was surrounding the eleven. I've debated with myself about whether or not to include this bit this morning, but here it is. You might say that these women were the first evangelists of the good news that Christ has risen. You shouldn't might say it, you should say it, because it's the truth. Our faith, our hope has been carried forward from the darkness of that cave by the testimony of women. And the church has just, gosh, so ridiculous thinking about the history. And I think here of all of the times in my own life when I have struggled to believe, to hold on to the candle of hope, and there were women believing enough for me. Not just believing the faith, but believing in me, my mother, my grandmothers, my wife, just name a few. And I think about the women who have and continue to carry so much of the load of our little community here, Juliana and Nisa Walker. They're not here this morning, but they have sacrificed so much to keep this hope afloat. Women of our elder team, both now and in the past, Barb Nizza, Vicki Sleeper, Nikki Sutphin, you've taught us so much about what faith and friendship can look like. Jenny Dumond, 
leading us to the heart of God in worship. Lene Otten, who is with our youth right now, pouring into our teenagers. Tia Kimes, Susanna Hayes, back there with the kids, laying the foundations, teaching our story to these kids. Grace Jones, I know you hate to have attention drawn to you, but always willing to help literally however she can. Jessica Jernigan, while not currently serving on our team, is still very much a part of the life of our church and has sacrificed a great deal herself. There are others who've been here and who've gone, and others I'm, I'm probably forgetting and failing to mention. Men, I'm sure many of you can relate to this. The women in your life believing enough for both of you, and then some, right? And women, I'm sure there are some of you here now, or maybe hearing this online or whatever, carrying that candle of hope into your own families. Keep at it. We are with you. Look around and know that you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The women in this church are something fierce. Over and over again, it's women, from the first witnesses of the resurrection up until now. Believing enough for all of us, carrying the candle of hope, carrying the story forward. Without your witness, without your faith, we, we may not be here at all. So thank you, all of you. On the road to Emmaus, these men, they're trekking roughly the equivalent of walking down Highway 64 from the middle of Alma to the edge of Van Buren. It's about seven miles. It's about two to three hours on foot, depending on the pace that you take, right? They knew Jesus. They were part of the wider circle of the people who had come to identify as his followers in this time. But they didn't know this was Jesus, not yet. And along this road, these followers of Jesus, they were being followed by Jesus. And yet somehow, he was still leading them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. They are clearly impressed with him and urged him to stay the night. This was the hospitable thing to do, right? Kate, no, stay with us, man, don't go on. Uh, they urged him to stay the night because it was almost evening when they finally made it home. So it's probably for them somewhere between 5 and 6 p.m. They probably left Jerusalem early afternoon. Stay with us. Eat with us. Tell us more. In this dark and solemn hour for these first disciples, Jesus meets them. And you can almost feel the hope bubbling back up in their responses. The hope of a new day, the hope of a new way that Easter makes possible. Worship team, would y'all make your way back up? Or I think it's just one today, actually. Special treat. Solo artist. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've heard they were giving her a hard time. We weren't invited. Oh, man, I love it. 
But notice also that to these two men, Jesus was still a stranger, they called him. A stranger. Luke says in verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And suddenly, suddenly, they could see. Their eyes are opened to Jesus in their midst, to the reality that was already there that they just weren't yet aware of. And in this familiar act of coming together and telling the story, of sharing the table, of breaking bread, they suddenly see again. Jesus, the stranger, is revealed in their midst, in the breaking of bread, and they are reminded of who they are. That's heavy. We could honestly stop there and be good. When we gather together, when we open the scriptures to look for Jesus, when we break bread and partake in this new kind of community that Jesus is forming, when we show hospitality to the stranger, Jesus is revealed in our midst. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Think about how you would not likely be here if someone along the way hadn't carried the story forward into your own life, probably a woman. And ponder the reality of Christ's presence here among us now as we are gathered to continue carrying this story forward. So at the end of this scene on the road to Emmaus, Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of bread, and then he vanishes. With a sense of urgency we can only imagine, the two immediately get up and make the trip all the way back to Jerusalem. Another two to three hours. This one might have taken them just an hour. Maybe they ran. Who knows? Uh, but it might be between 9 and 10 p.m. by the time they make it back to where the 11 had gathered with the others and proclaim to them, the Lord has risen indeed. The women were right. The story is carried forward again. And while the 11 and the rest of the crew were talking about these things, Jesus himself suddenly appears in their midst and says, peace be with you. What an entrance, right? Jesus' first reappearance after his death in this story is as a stranger asking, hey, what are y'all talking about? And now this, poof, peace be with you. Can you imagine this moment? They thought they were seeing a ghost. So he shows them his, his hands and his feet, uh, that he is indeed flesh and bones. And to really drive the point home, he eats a bit of broiled fish. I'm not sure why that detail is included there, the broiled part, but I don't know, maybe there's something to it. Uh, hey fam, I'm back. Got something to eat, right? Then Jesus does with the 11 and others what he did on the road to Emmaus. It says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He tells them, you are witnesses 
of these things. I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. More cryptic messages. Good old Jesus. Now then, I want you to notice what Jesus did not say to any of these people, not on the road to Emmaus and not back in Jerusalem with the whole crew. He does not say, how could you? He does not say, you are not my friends. He does not say, why did you betray me? I was in agony and you fled. Why did you abandon me? He doesn't accuse, he doesn't chastise, he doesn't even bring it up. He's so good, isn't he? He's not beating you up, so you can stop beating yourself up. Amen? Instead, Jesus shows up in their darkest hour and he says, peace, peace, peace be with you. You are witnesses. You will carry my story forward. We're at the very end of the gospel narratives. There's really just like a paragraph left in this one book. We're being propelled into the book of Acts, the birth and infancy of this new kind of community called church a new way of being human made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. The stories of these appearances seem strange and so distant to us, but I think we can relate to them. He's here, but he's not. What will be has not yet been revealed. Like these first disciples, we don't really know where we're going, what's happening, just that we are going, carrying the story forward, proclaiming the Lord has risen indeed. The women were right. Think about that proclamation. What does it mean to say the Lord has risen indeed? Jesus is alive. He's still human. He's still human. He's still wounded. He's still scarred. And evidently, he's still hungry. It sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? The Lord has risen means that our hope has legs. Our hope has legs. And the story is still going forward. Because we are here, and where two or more gather together in his name, he is revealed in the breaking of bread. This Christian life is a journey towards something, but it's something we can't yet clearly 
see. Like Abraham and Sarah setting out for the promised land, we'll know it when we get there. We feel it. We sense it. But it's still so blurry sometimes. And it's really easy to lose that candle of hope and wonder, what are we doing here? Stories of epic journeys have been told all through the ages, and they almost always go the same way. Depart, fight an epic battle, come back home. Right? Even now, we'll go on vacations, or even pilgrimages, or walkabouts, but we'll always come back to the safety and comfort of home. But this story, this journey like that of Abraham and Sarah, is different. It's a one-way trip to somewhere. We'll know it when we get there. And one-way trips, they're just that, one way. There's no going back. And this makes us vulnerable. It's scary. We've left our old lives behind with the hope of becoming something more. This new creation, this new kind of human. We're on a one-way trip into God's own self, a journey into the unknown. The clearest picture we have of what that is or what that might look like is Jesus in these Gospels. And the next is Jesus in these people. The ones in the stories we tell to remind ourselves of who we are and what we're to be about. And the ones around you here today, carrying that candle of hope forward still. As John mentions, we still don't know all the implications of this hope. But like these first disciples, we are having our minds opened still. Are you open to that? opened to a future way of understanding this transformation we're to be about, of whatever this new life may mean. What we see now is not yet what it will be. As we proclaim this new kind of community in hope, it is not what it once was. It's not even really what it is now. We keep this hope, this expectation for something better. It has always been, even now, a promise of what is yet to be. What is yet to be hope. Finally, notice this. These disciples, they knew their Bibles. Probably better than all of us. But Jesus still had to open their minds to see it. You and your Bible are not enough. I know a lot of people like to think that way, but it's not true. You and your Bible are not enough. Like these first disciples, we can know these stories inside and out, but we will only ever find what we are looking for. We have the picture, but not the whole picture. Like them, Our ability to imagine this better way is still so narrow. But Jesus completes this picture for us. 
in us, with us, together of what is yet to be. When you read your Bible, look for Jesus everywhere. God may be up to something much bigger, much better, maybe much crazier than you have ever imagined. Maybe even more than you want to imagine. Maybe in a way that's quite different from what you're used to, in a way that may make you uncomfortable. I know it sure makes me uncomfortable, but that's Jesus for you. The stranger, hidden in plain sight, but revealed as we gather together to tell this story. In the breaking of bread, showing himself in inexplicable ways in our darkest and most solemn moments. Opening our minds and helping us to keep pressing forward to carry this story, this candle of hope forward into the unknown of what may be, of what we may become.